0: Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government.
1: From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected.
0: It's time for The Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan.
2: Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.allanathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alanathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at mainstreetradionetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And of course, with with great dispatch and alacrity, we'd love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show's entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Our topic's de jure, you may have heard well, Chair of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Representative James Comer, formally states that they are investigating President Biden for taking money in exchange for U.S. policy decisions, as shown by bank records illustrating money laundering exercises. So what's what's next on that horizon? <clears throat> Pardon me. Also, Federal Judge T. Kent Wetherell, the II halts Biden's move to let tens of thousands of illegals freely enter the U.S., with no alien registration number and no court date, while merely being told to later contact ICE to make an appointment or request a notice to appear by mail. What the what f- are these guys all about? Also, House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan says, a closed-door session with former CIA Director John Brennan reveals that he and 50 other former intel officials knowingly communicated falsehoods when claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was a quote-unquote Russian information operation. So how should they pay? We have assisting in the opining and analyzing, all friend of the show, General Tom McInerney, U.S. Air Force retired commentator, military analyst, uh, author of, uh, uh, I should say co-author of the highly praised work entitled Endgame, the Blueprint for the Victory in War on Terror. He co-wrote that with General Paul Vallely, uh, also U.S. Army retired, all friend of the show as well. General McInerney, good to have you back. How are you today?
3: I'm
1: doing great, Alan. Thanks very much for having me.
2: No, pleasure. Pleasure, indeed. Let's get uh, right to this uh, th- th- this letter having to do with Biden's um, uh, culpability. Now, again, House Oversight and Accountability uh, Committee Chair James Comer, old friend of the show, uh, he says that their investigation of Biden has now evolved into one of public corruption. And this is following the discovery that apparently for many years, multiple banks have been flagging the Biden family accounts from likely money laundering, he stresses that that confirmed shell or fake companies were constructed by the Bidens to facilitate these exchanges from foreign government-owned companies. where does this go from here, General McInerney?:
1: That's a great question, Alan. Uh, the The fact is, is as they uh, peel back the onion skin, if you will, checking the bank records, et cetera, You know, the New York Times and the Washington Post, of course, uh, the day after uh, Comer appeared, you know, said, well, no fingerprints on uh, Joe Biden. Uh, The the issue will become when they find those fingerprints. And so they'll continue to peel back the onion, digging deep to see how that money was transferred from. um, Hunter over to his father and, of course, I guess nine other uh, family members. I think there are a total of 10 so
2: far. Yeah, but what happens if that onion is kept in a refrigerator stored in a kitchen completely out of reach? What, what I mean is that uh, Comer's upset with the DOJ and FBI because they apparently have been running interference for the Bidens because they're refusing to hand over the subpoenaed documents, you know, the ones first revealed by that uh, senior FBI agent whistleblower source. Now, my position is that, pardon me, since Congress has an unambiguous separation of powers, Article I authority to oversee the executive's conduct, the FBI's refusal to comply is surely not the final word on this, right? I mean, they have the standing to go to court and demand compliance. And I know the jury pool in D.C. is corrupt and grotesquely biased, but an appellate court is when you get beyond that D.C. jury pool. So I'm thinking this is not the final word, or am I being overly sanguine about it, General McInerney?
1: No, I think if they want to get to it, they are definitely going to have to do that, and it will probably go to the Supreme Court to get that release. You're absolutely right, Alan. That's where, because we know from the DOJ's uh, experience to date, uh, particularly under this uh, attorney general, that they are the most corrupt in our history. And that's saying something, particularly after Eric Holder. But uh, uh, this is the most corrupt, I believe, in our history. And with the FBI involved so deeply, uh, we're going to see that it will have to go to the courts. And it will be interesting what the Supreme Court says about it, because I think it's going to have to go there. But Jim Comer, James Comer must, Push it that far. Otherwise, we're going to get an administration that is so deep in the swamp and so corrupt that they'll not release anything, which means they know everything. Which means they know everything.
2: No, that's fair to say. That is fair to say. Uh, And and therein lies the sticky wicket, right? I mean... um, you know, we, I think we forget that each branch has certain absolute powers beyond the reach of the other two, and that's necessary. That's why we have separation of powers. It's the only reason why checks and balances and reciprocal checks and balances keep any one branch from you know becoming rogue and tyrannical. I think we have to remember that the executive, as well as the judiciary and the lit- legislature, not one of these uh, get to stand as a as, as a monarchy. And now, don't get me wrong. I understand that there are also. And I was talking about this earlier. There are times when you know, Congress really cannot reasonably subpoena certain things from the executive because it would actually potentially violate the executive's own separation of power prerogatives, like, for instance, forcing the exposure of suggestions by presidential advisors, wherein, you know, these advisors have got to feel free to offer their confidential recommendations without fear of their political strategies being exposed. I mean, each branch is allowed to operate within that context. And the Supreme Court has ruled on this in the past, but certain things, pardon me, damn it, do not fall into that category of exceptions. You know, like with uh, uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken or or Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin refusing to hand over directives leading up to the military operations involving an Afghanistan evacuation resulting into the death of 13 military personnel, things like that. And just like with those examples, Congress has, in my estimation, an inarguable standing, to have a court hear their demand that the executive comply with Congress's subpoena for this FD-1023 form revealing Biden's alleged acceptance of funds in exchange for policy actions. Where am I off by even a little bit, General McInerney?
1: You're spot on in that particular case. There's You discussed the reasonable uh, exemptions, in which I think everybody would agree with, What we're talking about is not reasonable. And uh, for the uh, uh, executive branch to want to withhold evidence that the chief executive, the president of the United States, when he was vice president, was taking money on the side and affecting policy decisions, which, by the way, Alan, as you remember, he mentioned on the TV program Uh, in which he told uh, the the Ukrainians, you've got eight hours before I leave if you want this $1 billion to be released that the U.S. is giving you in aid. And and he said, you know, what he did, which in fact was bribing. They fired the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma and what Hunter was doing and the uh, uh, corruption going on there. So, look, he admitted on television that he did that.
2: Well, yeah, but he said ostensibly it was because they felt that that particular prosecutor was himself corrupt, and they didn't want American dollars going to back a corrupt prosecutor. But I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, the only corruption there was Biden not wanting any more light to be shined upon uh, his son's uh, criminal involvement. Uh, General, if you can, buddy, hang on the line for just a second, folks. We're going to be right back. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Stick with us.
4: Mother's Day is a time to show appreciation to all the moms and mother figures in our lives. While many young ones might like to buy mom a special gift, they usually don't have a lot of spare change laying around. This Mother's Day, DoorDash wants to nurture those good intentions by accepting kid currency for a beautiful bouquet of flowers. What is kid currency? Blocks, doll shoes, googly eyes, just about anything kids can get their hands on. From May 12th to May 13th across Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, look for a DoorDash post inviting kids, via their parents and guardians, to send in a photo or video of their bid while tagging at DoorDash with the hashtags KidCurrency and Sweepstakes. DoorDash will randomly select 400 entries to receive a promo code for $75 off to use on an order of flowers. Even if you don't win, DoorDash makes it easy to send beautiful same-day flower deliveries with options for all budgets. From now until Mother's Day, get 15% off flowers up to $10 using code FLOWERS15 at checkout. Happy Mother's Day from DoorDash. With more than 20 years as a professional celebrity hairstylist, Takesha Sturdivant-Drew is ready to share her tips on how to properly manage textured hair. According to Takesha, shampooing and conditioning textured hair just isn't enough. Detangling hair should be a regular part of your hair care regimen, as textured hair is weakest when wet and more prone to breakage. Takesha recommends using a new hair care product called the Miracle Detangler by Gold Series from Pantene, which is specially designed for women with curly and coily hair. Celebrity stylist Takesha Sturdivant-Drew. Detangling is an important part of your hair care routine, especially for women with curly hair. I recommend Miracle Detangler by Gold Series from Pantene because every bottle is infused with argan oil, which helps detangle and soften curls. It removes knots for easier combing and leaving hair looking healthy and hydrated. When you use Miracle Detangler in the shower, the detangling time gets cut in half so you can get on with your day. To learn more, visit Pantene.com.
5: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the US go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
6: What is dedication?
2: I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl
5: and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My
2: daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night And every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it
6: exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future
2: holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them.
5: That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
6: Republicans have challenged you
7: on this point on Capitol Hill, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond. Um, You know, they point to Border Patrol's own numbers, which show that going back to October of last year, there were more than a million apprehensions, but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways. That's roughly the size of the population of the city of
0: Baltimore. How can you say that the border is not open? So um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 million people last year. Ask those 1.4 million people if if they think uh, the border is open.
2: No douchebag. We're going to ask the 500,000-plus whether they think it's open because they're the ones who got through and are here in the United States. Yes, that's right. What an idiot. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. You're listening to um, this from MSNBC. Uh, Philip Wegmans is asking Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayocas about his claims that 1.4 million people were caught at the border and sent away, noting that a group of illegal immigrants larger than the population of Baltimore got in, like 500,000 plus. Mallorca says, what counts are those who were caught? And we should ask those deported if they think the border is open. No, why don't we ask those who were able to cross unencumbered if they think the border is open, okay? I mean, what is it with folks these days? I mean, don't they realize that just as the uh, uh, The bad doesn't erase the good, nor does the good erase the bad. Hey, we're happy you pushed back 1.4 million. Now, what about the half a million plus that you let in? All right, you're not doing your job correctly, schmuck. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Before I go to my illustrious guest, I want you to hear this clip just one more time and see how functionally illiterate is the driving force of mayorkas's argument clip four again james if you please
7: republicans have challenged you on this point on capitol hill and i wanted to give you an opportunity to respond You know, they point to Border Patrol's own numbers, which show that going back to October of last year, there were more than a million apprehensions, but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways. That's roughly the the size of the population of the city of Baltimore. How can you say that the border
0: is not open? So um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 million people last year. Ask those 1.4 million people if if they think uh, the border is open.
2: Now, a lot of people now, when you look at the ABC, Washington Post poll that recently came out, folks are actually saying they would prefer Trump over Biden by 49 to 42 percent, much to the chagrin of George Stephanopoulos of ABC's this week. A lot of people on the left are very upset about this. They also say to a a 54 to 36 percent, they say that Trump better handle the economy as well as immigration and all that. Just to put a little cherry on top, I want to go back a couple of years to an ABC News report by Martha Raddatz. Uh, she seemed to drive home, perhaps un- you know, mistakenly. I don't think she wanted to give Trump any points here. But she sort of proves with this anecdotal interview that illegal immigrants felt emboldened under Biden versus uh, how they felt with Trump. Clip five, this is from March of 2021. James, if you please.
3: Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president definitely not so did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president
5: basically basically Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country and the second thing I, I think was Joe Biden
2: right now the truth is I personally at the much to the chagrin of a lot of our conservatives I would love to see us expand the number of folks who are allowed to come here legally but then, sew up the border as tight as imaginable. Because I believe a nation without a border is just a continuation of the country next door. You are not a country. You're not a sovereign nation unless you have guarded border. And every nation on the face of the planet is allowed to control those who come into their country without fear of the xenophobia card being thrown at them. But for some reason, the functionally illiterate left don't want to allow their own country to have that same latitude. But just to also prove just how much of a contributing factor Joe Biden has been, let's listen to what he had to say about some of this in February of 2020. Clip six, James, if you please.
7: I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come.
2: Yeah, but apply legally. You don't just get to, you know, drop by and say, hi, I'm here. And if you don't like it, stuff it. No other nation on the face of the planet would put up with that, nor is expected to. But for some reason, we are F you, Joe Biden, and F everybody with you who tries to pull that crap. Without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing old friend of the show, General Tom McInerney. Um, He, of course, uh, has a few views on this. Uh, Tom McInerney, of course, is commentator, military analyst and co-author of the highly praised book entitled The Endgame: The Blueprint for Victory in the War on Terror, co-written with General Paul Vallely. Uh, General McInerney, uh, you heard some of these clips and you, of course, are familiar with the fact that federal judge uh, T. Kent Witherell II has fortunately halted Biden's move to let tens of thousands of illegals freely enter the U.S. with no alien registration number and no court date. You know, they, they're just telling them that, hey, uh, you got to contact ICE later on to make an appointment or request a notice to appear by mail. Um, fortunately, this judge put a halt to that, and it looks like it's going to be a firm halt. Biden's not going to be able to get away with this, but still, my God, look where we are. General McInerney.
1: Well, if you believe a guy that has lied to us continuously and they did, not fact, send back 1.4 million people, I do not believe that number, but let's not debate that. The issue is we have an absorption problem. We are if you look at our hospitals, if you look at our schools, if you look at all our other infrastructure, we're overloaded right now, Alan, and so we can only absorb so many people and uh, and and they've got to have jobs. look at the cost it's going to that it's costing us right now on welfare in all these uh, cities uh, and it is we're in an unaffordable situation that we're making america to be just like the nations they're leaving we're losing our middle class and and that's the danger what we have and it goes right back to the absorption problem what a nation can handle never in the history of mankind have so many people been thrust upon a nation and now we've got to try to absorb it just because we've got Marxist or woke ideas And all these other things that this administration is trying to do is to to deliberately, deliberately destroy our republic, our democratic republic and our constitution.
2: No, I can't argue with that. I mean, fortunately, though, I think the woke will eventually be put to sleep because uh, folks eventually grow tired of assertions endlessly uh, predicated on what are merely just other assertions. They they, they see that the left's uh, inverted burden-to-proof structure in all arguments is simply unsustainable. Uh, but as usual, never enough time, but always great to have you on board. General McInerney, everybody, U.S. Air Force retired commentator and military analyst extraordinaire. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. going to be right
6: back.
4: Times best-selling author Terry Liebenson introduces the latest installment in her popular Emmy and Friends children's book series. The funny and heartfelt new story, Surprisingly Sarah, the seventh title in the Emmy and Friends series, lets young readers choose between two separate storylines. Sarah and Leo have been BFF since they were little. They share everything until Sarah starts crushing on Leo's friend Ben. Then, one day, Sarah is suddenly faced with a big choice. Ask Ben to the school dance or chicken out. Best-selling author and cartoonist of the award-winning syndicated comic strip, The Pajama Diaries, Terry Liebenson. Surprisingly, Sarah deals with the secrets and surprises that middle school often brings. In this case, Sarah is faced with a choice that'll put her friendship with Leo to the test. I hope kids enjoy putting themselves in Sarah's shoes and discovering how their choices can affect others. The new children's book, Surprisingly, Sarah, is now available wherever books are sold. Catherine Applegate's beloved modern classic, The One and Only Ivan, about a very special gorilla, won several awards and was adapted into a hit movie on Disney Plus. A best selling sequel, The One and Only Bob, followed the adventures of Ivan's friend Bob, a lovable dog. Now the story continues with the one and only Ruby starring an adorable baby elephant. In the new book, Ruby is living peacefully in a wildlife sanctuary. When she receives a visit from the orphanage caretaker in Africa where she grew up, memories, both happy and sad, come rushing back about her life before the circus. Recounting her story for Ivan and Bob, Ruby traces the events that brought her from her African savannah home to the sanctuary. Author Catherine
3: Applegate. While I hope Ruby's early memories will encourage readers to think about the dangers that elephants face, things like poaching and climate change, The One and Only Ruby is ultimately an uplifting, hopeful story that celebrates the joy
8: of friendship.
4: The One and Only Ruby is now available wherever books are sold.
0: is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
8: I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness.
7: That's Dr. Dejana Figarella, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget.
8: It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything.
7: Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. And he further confirmed that this thing was all political. Understand that Tony Blinken first contacts Mike morell and says, Oh, what do you think about this laptop issue? And then Blinken later that same day, October 17, 2020, sends Mike morell the USA Today article, the story, that story gets put in the very letter that John Brennan, Mike Morrell, and 49 other former Intel officials sign on to. And they, again, just didn't sign on as Mike Morrell, private citizen exercising his First Amendment rights, John Brennan. They signed on as acting, former acting director of the CIA, former head of the CIA. They used their title. So yeah, we expect public servants not to use their title to influence an election. And it was so political. When it was all done, this talking point they wanted to give Joe Biden for that final debate with President. And Trump. It was so political. After that debate's over, the campaign calls up Mr. Morrell, thanks him for it. He gets an attaboy from Steve Reschetti, chairman of the Biden campaign. Sure. So sure. it just further confirmed all that.
2: This is quite declarative stuff. Uh, we've had Jordan on. It's been a long time. We've got to get him back. Uh, every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. You were listening to Jim Jordan uh, on Fox News' Jesse Waters' uh, primetime. And this is the chair of the House Judiciary. And he says that John Brennan, this is former CIA director uh, under Obama, he said that his testimony under closed um, in a closed session um, further confirmed that the letter from intelligence officials was political, the 51 who who said that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian spycraft. He then gives the timeline where Anthony Blinken, the uh, current Secretary of State, gave former CIA Director Michael Morrell a story that they put in the letter and notes how these people signed the letter, using their official titles rather than as private citizens. He goes on to say they have messages of congratulations to Michael Morell for for arranging all this. And uh, this is problematic. This is beyond problematic. I mean, how is it anything but? I I mean, look at it. You, You got former CIA bosses Michael Morell and John Brennan in October of 2020 planning this false open letter claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russia misinformation. And and these bozos did it for the sole purpose of giving Biden fictional grounds on which to dismiss the, the bombshell revelation about Hunter Biden's laptop. And it was to let him dismiss this bombshell during his final debate with Donald Trump. That was the sole purpose of constructing the letter. Now, there were 59 of them. And Morrell and John Brennan were in cahoots of making it happen. But Anthony Blinken, who was then an advisor to uh, Biden's campaign, and who is now, of course, Secretary of State, he was the one who orchestrated all this. They knowingly signed on to this falsehood. Now, shouldn't each and every one of these reptilian monsters be hounded to their respective grave by as many citizens who feel like doing it since this was, in fact, election and interfering, forget about the the voting machines and the and the uh, uh, you, you know the other ploys of cheating, the um, instances of of uh, voter manipulation. All of these things are disturbing, but this seems to be a very salient form of putting your thumb on the scale of the election. Denying the American people information they need. Denying them an update on which they can predicate a more informed judgment. Please. Ballot harvesting? Yeah, it's atrocious. Unattended drop boxes that, that are just ripe for havoc to be wrought? Yeah. Inexcusable. But this, this was horrific. First, they wanted to, in a corrupting fashion, demonize the story, call a truthful revelation as Russian spycraft, and then they subsequently got away with suppressing the story, censoring it. And, of course, all 51 of these pieces of excrement now claim that they weren't really trying to fool anyone because their letter included their statement about not having absolute proof. But that that distinction was never mentioned after Biden used their artificial analyses as the prop for which it was intended. I mean, how much saliva should be hurled at the likes of Morell Brennan and former director of national intelligence, James Brennan, for falsifying these grounds? These are pieces of crap. These folks need to be proactively intimidated in public. It's disgusting. It's absolutely vile and disgusting. But it's all part of the woke community, isn't it? And and I think the woke will eventually be put to sleep because, as I mentioned earlier, their their inverted burden-of-proof structure in all arguments is unsustainable. That's all that letter was. An assertion predicated on yet nothing more than another assertion to equal what was supposed to be understood as a cohesive Groundbreaking justification for not taking the Hunter Biden laptop story seriously. But there is a limit to how long folks can take seriously assertions endlessly predicated on what truly are just other assertions, with only shaming tactics used as their validation. I mean, I think most catch on to the differences between a genuine premise and the woke pretext pretending to be one. And they have a strategy of shaming. These woke Nazis, what they do is they undermine the primary moral measure of our right to choose our own individual paths by using conjured secondary measures of allegedly higher morals in order to leverage the replacement of that primary one. In other words, we've got to relinquish our priorities in favor of theirs or we're bad people. I mean, by this manipulative, inverted burden of proof formula, these authoritarian crap stains can always find a way to remove our free will, but we, of course, can't let them do that. Now, we, we were all warned about this uh, in Aesop's fables. A tyrant will always find a pretext for his tyranny. Well, similarly, authoritarians will always find a pretext for their authoritarianism. That's what the woke are. One example when we're talking about individual paths being usurped because of, of uh, secondary measures of allegedly higher morals. One example is when these douchebags told us that we should give up our gas stoves because they claim that approximately 12, 12.7% of children have supposedly contracted asthma from them. <laughs> they just make up crap. I mean, the assertions based on this study from uh, an unapologetically left-wing think tank Uh, called the Rocky Mountain Institute, or RMI. But otherwise, erudite critics point out that the study ignored the findings of what is really the most comprehensive worldwide report on this issue. And it's from the International Study of Asthma and Allergies in Childhood, otherwise known as ISAAC. These are the people the United Nations go to. And ISAAC reported That just the opposite is the case. They utilized data from over 512,000 kids out of 47 nations. And it concluded that there was, quote, no evidence of an association between the use of gas as cooking fuel and either asthma symptoms or asthma diagnosis, unquote. This is their conclusion. Again, I want to read it. Quote, no evidence of of an association between the use of gas as a cooking fuel and either asthma or asthma diagnosis. I'm sorry, folks. These people need to be crushed. These are your modern-day Nazis. They're using secondary measures of allegedly higher morals as a way to leverage the replacement of the primary moral measure we all have to choose our own paths. Don't ever doubt it. And as far as I'm concerned, the woke infiltrating government to censor dissent through big tech allies screams a valid question. Given that the Constitution only permits the American people to use the Second Amendment option against the tyrannical government to ensure what's, quote, necessary to the security of a free state, unquote, You have to wonder, how much more tyrannical does the DOJ and FBI have to become before that might actually happen? (coughs) Really. Just to emphasize this, let's listen to clip one. James, if you please. It is my testimony that the border
4: is secure. When it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90 percent. And that's because of the actions that this president has taken. But we know that more action needs to be taken. So it has to be legislative action. We're going to continue to call Congress uh, to do that. So,
8: obviously, the border is not secure. Anyone with eyes can see that. And anyone who lives in a border state like I do actually it takes offense at comments like that because they're just factually not true. Because they're the just factually border not communities true. They're my just state not are true. James, already. you can attenuate bef- that
2: down. That is Senator Kristen Sinema, independent out of Arizona, former Democrat, because she's fed up with her party, saying that we hear sophistry like that, understand it is simply not true. No matter how they couch it in terms of compassion, they're lying out of their sweaty rectum. Stick with us.
4: From 12-year-old trans activist Kai Shapley comes a timely and inspirational story about living life to the fullest, inspired by Shapley's own life. The new middle-grade novel Joy to the World is a story about courage, resilience, and celebrating trans joy. In the book, Joy, a 12-year-old trans girl, moves to Texas with her mother and older brother. Her family has accepted Joy as the girl she is, leaving Joy to explore her love of sports, teamwork, and competition. But when she's kicked off the cheerleading team, Joy fights for her right to cheer. As her battle with the school board escalates, joy attracts support from kids around the country, as well as her hero, trans activist Kai Shapley. Author and activist Kai Shapley.
8: Since I was in kindergarten, I've been standing up for trans kids against people who are trying to take away our rights. I wanted to write a book about a girl just like me, who is determined to continue doing what she loves and who wants to live her life with joy. Joy to the
4: World is now available wherever books are sold.
3: This May, give Mom a gift she can enjoy on her own or with family. Mom will love the play-anywhere-with-anyone versatility of the Nintendo Switch family of systems. Enjoy games solo or on the TV with multiplayer fun. She can escape to a deserted island and create her own paradise in the Animal Crossing New Horizons game. She can rev things up with the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe game and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass DLC with brand new courses like Yoshi's Island plus many nostalgic. Favorites, Or Mom can hit the dance floor with Just Dance 2023 Edition and 40 hot tracks, including chart toppers like Dynamite by BTS and Stay by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. For more, go to Nintendo.com. Additional game systems and or accessories may be required for multiplayer mode. Full version of game required to use DLC for that game. Game systems, DLC, and some accessories sold separately. Games rated E for everyone. there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving find out more at nsc.org slash call if you came across someone struggling with hunger how would you recognize them by their clothes their age the way they speak would you notice a 16 year old
8: boy, boy who got, got his, his first, first job, job not well, for first. extra spending money but to help feed his little sisters
3: or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill
6: and had had to choose between getting medicine or groceries.
3: I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry.
4: I am hungered in
3: America.
0: Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council.
6: The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment access to the veterans benefits they've earned, accessible homes and vehicles, and access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Here's Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Well, as we discussed, uh, federal judge T. Kent Wetherill II halts Biden's move to let tens of thousands of illegals freely enter the U.S. with no alien registration number and no court date, while merely being told to later contact eyes to make an appointment or request a notice to appear by mail. What the fuck are these guys talking about? Um, also, I want to chat a little bit more about that CNN town hall uh, that happened with uh, Trump. He seemed to get the upper hand on everybody. Uh, you know that's the case because instead of the left celebrating his humiliation, they're bemoaning uh, the fact that he got a chance to uh, actually offer some uh, formidable dissent. And we saw this uh, CNN-approved audience actually, on a number of occasions, applaud for Trump against the politically biased moderator. It was, it was fascinating to watch. Assisting in the opining and analy- analyzing, we have all front of the show, uh, John Jordan, CEO of Jordan Winery. He's an attorney. He's also a Fox News contributor. John, great to have you back. How are you today?
0: Happy to be back, Alan.
2: Good to have you. Good to have you, my friend. Uh, let me get right to a couple of things here. Uh, the, CNN, the CNN's uh, chosen audience did frequently cheer Trump over moderator Caitlin Collins during this Town Hall, Thus, of course, triggering anti-Trumpers like uh, MSNBC Joe Scarborough to lose their collective cookies. Is that why CNN cut the event short? What's see you?
0: Well, they, it looks like they cut it short by about five or ten minutes. They were pretty vague about the timing, but it's def, they definitely cut it short, especially when you consider that CNN said that they um, built in a buffer to have it run over if they wanted to. Yeah. Normally, when, CNN never sees 3.1 million viewers, which they did that night. So normally when you have such a – when you have that type of viewership, especially your CNN, you want to you ride that horse as long as you can. But in this case, the poli- internal politics of CNN and the collision between the perceptions of Trump as shaped by CNN for its audience and the reality of Trump that people saw, uh, <laughs> commercial instincts of CNN lost out. And they caved uh, to the lefties inside the newsroom because it was embarrassing to them because everything they've been saying – about trump was kind of disproved and it's like we're seeing throughout the country right now is the collision between leftist narrative and lived experience whether it's with regard to crime with regard to immigration with regard to inflation um the left, left narratives are falling apart going back to even the wuhan virus um vaccines everything they've said turns out to not be true and there's a desperation starting to seep out of a lot of New York newsrooms.
2: And can you imagine how much more desperate those uh, responses would be if we had a mainstream media actually giving these revelations to which you refer, the kind of normal exposure they might have received, let's say, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, But certain things are bleeding through. One thing that's driving them nuts is that ABC-Washington Post poll uh, that happened earlier this week or at the end of last week Uh, You know, when Biden announced that he'd be running for reelection, Gallup had put out a poll showing that about 75 percent of the country said the economy was getting worse. Now, the latest ABC Washington Post poll shows that Trump did better with our economy than Biden. That's what the respondent said. When the poll asked the question of the people, the people said, hey, uh, to the tune of, uh, I think, like 54 percent, Trump did better with our economy than has Biden. And uh, they also don't believe that this current president has neither the mental nor physical fitness for the job. You take on those revelations.
0: Well, first of all, that's all true. What what really scares the left isn't those numbers. It's the trajectory, trajectory of where they're likely to go. And if you look at what is happening right now, the border mess, you're seeing a lot of Democrats become very uncomfortable. This crime is becoming a problem. Um, Inflation is only getting worse. And Joe Biden is not getting any younger. And what you saw in that debate or the town hall was the left looking at Trump doing that without notes and being kind of charming and funny in his gruff sort of way and contrasting that with what they know Biden is, knowing that Biden in a year is going to have to be on a stage and they're not going to be able to run the basement strategy as well this year, this cycle. So it's where this is all going that really scares the hell out of the left and the and, and the media. Yeah,
2: he can't use what's going to do go to the basement of the White House. I mean, now, listen, uh, George Stephanopoulos, ABC This Week host, he commented that, quote-unquote, this poll is just brutal for President Biden. Uh, he was especially incredulous that it additionally showed Trump beating Biden by like 49 to 42 percent. I mean, that's well beyond the margin of error. Now, uh, John, clearly it's... It's still early in the contest, but still, the numbers have been not only consistently trending down for Biden, they've been doing so in a provably rapid fashion, have they not?
0: Yeah, they have been. And again, this is about trends, right? Trump is somebody the left has done everything they could to him. There's not much left they have. And you see a deteriorating Biden, and with older folks, when they start to deteriorate, oftentimes they deteriorate quickly. And so the elections. Biden has another year of deterioration before he has to do this. And you look at the, the issue matrix that's happening. Um, so you look at New York mayor. A lot of Democrat uh, sub- leaders of suburbs in New York are unhappy with the immigration thing. The immigration thing is coming into a lot of suburbs and a lot of areas where Democrats count on a lot of support.
3: Yeah, and, and in every poll
0: that asked, not like Trump, and it's another thing to have to put up with Biden's policies when it's actually hurting you. And that's what's going to be the difference between in 2024 versus 2020.
2: Yeah, they can't get away with spinning stuff that's, uh, let's say, normally disconnected enough from people to the point where, okay, the people can be persuaded to go the Democrat way. When it comes to a policy that's actually affecting folks in their personal lives – then they're left with the old maxim, you know, what are you going to believe, what you're told or your own lying eyes and ears. By the way, speaking of New York, a Manhattan jury found Trump liable for defaming writer E. Jean Carroll because he called her a liar after she had accused him of a rape, which, by the way, that same jury also determined was untrue. Uh, they gave her, you know, the defamation uh, thumbs up, but that seems sort of counterintuitive. Uh, they're giving her a thumbs up for a defamation claim, while still agreeing with Trump that the rape accusation was essentially not true. How do you see this finding impacting him in the months ahead?
0: Hey, I don't see it impacting anything. Um, that's already baked into the cake in the polling numbers. People are already aware of that. that has been breathlessly reported. And that is a decades-old claim, and it's a New York jury. And even they couldn't find the rape uh, uh, accusation accurate. The only mate saw the light of day in the courtroom because of a loophole in New York law. That is then that is literally decades old, and you saw how Trump handled it on the stage the other day, telling the Bergdorf Goodman story. So no, they think that's baked into the cake, and that's watered over the dam, and nobody's going to care about that. With as an
2: attorney, that. as an attorney yourself, do you believe his attorney, uh, Trump's attorney, when he says, "Listen, we're g- de- definitely going to get this overturned on appeal once we get it away from this New York jury pool."
0: Yeah, it depends on, but it depends on the the nature of the New York appellate judges and whether or not they want to adhere to the law and the in, in, incorrect evidentiary ruling made by the trial judge during the trial
2: final words. John Jordan, always a pleasure. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network.
0: The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719- 0433 or at our website mainstreetradionetwork.com